0: Hi.
1: Hi.
0: I'm Evan. I'm Addy, and you're listening to the Speaking English podcast. Today is episode 57, and it's our April wrap-up episode, and it is actually just for the record, it is our second April wrap-up episode the first time.
1: Oh my gosh. It's the anniversary of our first ever wrap-up.
0: There you go. Yeah. kind of somewhere in there but uh how exciting we've been doing this around the whole calendar one whole trip around the sun
1: How freaking
0: nuts (laughs) um yeah so we'll uh if we'll just talk about what we watched and read this past month um if you're not familiar with these wrap-up episodes they're kind of i guess what our most of the podcast is kind of built around, I guess. But uh, we'll get into that in a second. Before that, how has your week been?
1: Uh, my week has been really good, honestly. Not that exciting, but like the weather is really nice now. So my roommates and I have been like hanging out outside and going to the park. And yesterday, we took our dog to the pond, and she swam in it. It was very fun. And this weekend, I'm going to see my mom in Texas. So that'll be fun, too. <laughs>
0: Awesome! How exciting! Yeah, it's been really nice. Just this whole week, I've had such a blast. It rained a lot on um, Tuesday, I think, which is the coolest thing. I love the rain so much.
1: Me too. It was a very cozy day, and I read like so much on that day of this book that I'm about to talk about, and it was it was a very nice day.
0: Nice. Awesome. Awesome. But yeah, I uh, it's been so nice that I, I made. Lots of resolutions that we'll see if I'm able to catch up or keep up with. But uh, I got this app, this uh, Under Armour, like, it's called Map My Walk. And you do the thing and it draws on the Google Maps all the places you went. And it is so fun.
1: <laughs> I'm so glad.
0: I did it yesterday when I was walking around campus. And it's just so satisfying when coming back and looking at your little map. It's like you're drawing on it. I don't know. So cool.
1: That's Awesome.
0: So I set some goals in there and I'm going to try to walk around and see more of Boulder this summer.
1: I love that idea. I would like to do the same in Fort Collins.
0: Yeah, because I uh, this summer I'm not taking any classes. Um, I'm just kind of going to be working a lot. Got to get some money saved up so I can have it for Prague. Um, so I got to find some fun hobbies too keep morale up
1: (laughs) great idea can't wait to
0: hear how. so i'm just really excited that the weather's getting warm and all of that i am too um oh yeah the other thing i was gonna say is just that finals week is this week starting up right about now i have my last day of classes today so i'm ready to ready to go for uh Just work really hard this next week and then be done.
1: Congrats. That's very exciting.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been kind of a weird semester, but that's okay because it's over now. Nice.
1: Love to hear it. You made it through, champ. (laughs)
0: Thanks. (laughs) Means a lot. Means a lot. Um, Okay, so wrap up. Let's start with books. I read... I read two books this month, um, but I'm like halfway through a third that I kind of might want to give up on. So I might talk about that too a little bit.
1: (laughs) I also Um, read two
0: books. Okay, I'll let you start off.
1: All right, the first book I read this month was Slow Days, Fast Company by Eve Babbitts, which I really enjoyed. I've never read Eve Babbitts before. If you don't know who she is, she's just kind of this like badass- journalist type of gal Joan Didion-esque person from like the 70s and she lived in LA um, and she really just writes a lot about LA and famous people at the time and hippie culture and other things that were going on and I really like that kind of stuff I love to read books about that time period so I finally picked up Slow Days Fast Company which is a collection of essays from her and it was great. I loved it so much. Some essays were definitely better than others. So I think that I would round it out to, I'd give it like a four stars overall because I just didn't enjoy all of them quite as much, but there were a handful of essays that I was like, this is like, this is so perfect. Best thing I've ever read. Oh, I really loved it. I would highly recommend some Eve Babbitts to anybody. It's kind of a must read if you like, um, counterculture type stuff.
0: Awesome. Excellent news. Um, Let's see. The first book that I read, I guess I kind of finished both of these around the same time. So the first one I'm going to talk about um, is called Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's Through the Looking Glass. Um, It's a uh, graphic memoir kind of type thing, which I'm realizing that I really like. And I want to seek out more of them because before when I was in the Springs over the summer, um, I guess not last summer cause the library was closed, but, but in the past I would always just go to the library and just look around. Um, and I just stumbled across a lot of like, uh, graphic memoirs where people just make comic books about their own life. And I think that's awesome. Um, this one was actually assigned for class. Um, my conscious literature, the consciousness class, um, which I think I've like talked about a good amount of like books that I've read for it. Uh, this one is really interesting because it's um, the it's written by Dana Walrath um, talking about how her mom has Alzheimer's and has moved in with her and it's like a it's like a collection of little short stories um, and drawings uh, talking about it and I think it's really interesting because it it kind of takes this issue of Alzheimer's that's like something that we just see as like a very bad thing um, and presents it in a way that like, it doesn't, it's not trying to say that it's not a big deal or not a problem or anything, but it shows a lot of nuance to how like dealing with someone who has Alzheimer's and how like that relationship works. And it was just very interesting to read. Um, it's a very short read. It's just a few, it's just like 70 pages, I think, um, just like with drawings and little short stories and there. It's very uh, interesting. And I think if you can get your hands on it, check it out and give it a four out of five. Thanks. I think
1: I would enjoy that.
0: Yeah, you can borrow it. Thanks. All right, your turn.
1: Okay, the second book I read this month is House of Leaves. And it is like just completely consumed my life over the course of like just the last week that I've been reading it, which it does. This is like the universal experience of reading House of Leaves. Do you know about this book, Mark Z. Danielewski?
0: Big old book. Big old book. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't. I know nothing about it. You might need to give a little synopsis or something.
1: Okay, so it's a horror novel. It's about like seven hundred pages long, and it. Explain <laughs> what it's about. It's at the core of the story is a family who moves into a house and the house is impossibly larger on the inside than it is on the outside. And so it's like a, it's a labyrinth of a house that this family is just trying to figure out. And while they're figuring it out, they're making like a home movie documentary type of situation about their discoveries within this house. But you do not read the story through their perspective they make this documentary and then this old man writes a very lengthy review of the documentary and then dies and then this young guy named johnny discovers what is left of this manuscript that is a movie review of the documentary and tries to piece it together and then goes on his way and then this group of people who refer to themselves only as the editors edit what is (laughs) what remains of the manuscript as well as Johnny's thoughts as he edited the manuscript for the first time so you're reading the story of the house through the lens of like three different edits and that that's pretty much the book and it is absolutely insane it was such a trip to read and like all three perspectives kind of or all three edits kind of contradict each other. So you Mm -hmm. kind of have to make a choice about which one you want to believe is telling the truth or is like the most reliable and whoever you choose is going to totally change the perspective of the book. And there's like all three of them are leaving footnotes on everything. And there's like, Practically like half of maybe like a third of this book is just an appendix that has like additional sources and there will be footnotes that are like at this point in the story you need to go see this thing in the appendix then you have to flip to the appendix and read like 50 pages in there and piece something together and then like go back to where you were in the story. So the whole, and some of the pages are like, you got to flip them around to read what's going on too. So like the whole experience of reading the book is very much like paralleling the experience of the family within the labyrinth. but you also feel very confused and very much like you're just trying to piece together a puzzle. It's really similar to um, like under the silver lake in that way. I, I okay. Feel. You're kind of, which I love. Like, I love that kind of thing. So, I, this is like one of my new favorite books ever of all time. Five out of five. It is a perfect novel. It's like so clever. I don't think I will ever stop thinking about it there's just there's just endless stuff to think about still and some of this book is like written in code and you don't even figure that out (laughs) until kind of late in the game so then you can go backtrack and try to decode a ton of this stuff and there's just like endless material within the book to keep trying to figure out also endless theories from fans there's like a forum online that you can read through that has like so many theories about what's going on. One person posted a picture. I was like looking through the House of Leaves Reddit page, which I've never I had to make a Reddit. Just to look at this because like I said it's like consumed my brain. This is all I think about now. And one person posted a picture on the Reddit of like 25 books. And he was like, this is my House of Leaves library. It's all just books that were referenced within House of Leaves that you could go read to try to comprehend the story better. So it just like it just never ends. I don't think you ever actually finish reading House of Leaves. And it is so good and so, so scary. It really got to me.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. That's so cool. I have so much.
1: That I highly recommend. I must. It's a must read. Everybody has to read House of Leaves.
0: Awesome. Yeah. There, I have, like so many like points to like put on that, I guess. Have you ever been to Meow Wolf? I guess would be the first thing. No, I,
1: I haven't. I think I'd really like it though.
0: Okay. Yeah. It's kind of similar just in the fact that, um, so like it's like, do you, are you familiar? I guess a lot of the listeners won't be, so I'll explain it. Um, anyways, okay. is that like, it's this um, art installation with, um, it's like a, like a um collaborative team of like 20 to 30 people. Um, and the, it's like this, uh, they all design like rooms in this art installation, but it's set like in a house, like it, there's, and there's, um, a storyline that you can either choose to figure out like there's, it's, it's very cool to just go just on artistic merit because all, all the rooms have like different themes and are very cool. Um, but there's also this like through line of a story that you kind of like there's clues hidden throughout the installation that you kind of have to piece together. Um, And that reminds me a lot of like what you're saying about this book of just how um, like there, all this stuff is like, there's a lot of stuff there that you can kind of piece together if you're interested in it and just like kind of on under the surface that like you can figure out, but it's not necessarily like you have, like you, it's not, Apparent enough that you have to notice it, I guess, which I think is really cool. Um, And it's also really interesting that you point that out because in my uh, film theory class uh, the other day, just earlier this week on Tuesday, we were talking about um, how uh, like this new trend of movies coming out. Not necessarily like recently, um, their primary example was uh, The Matrix of just, like, um, IPs that are explored through more than just the movie. Um, like, a vid- there was, like, a video game released concurrently and, like, different novelizations. And they made an anime movie with, like, different collaborators to come in and make short stories placed within the universe and kind of just how, like, it's a sprawling thing that all kind of contributes to this bigger story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really interesting to, like, consider in, um, the context of like this book is just yeah. that how, um, like you can take a story and make it so sprawling and like have different entry points, I guess, which I think is really cool. Um, cause I guess you have like this book, uh, and oh, and by the way, just another point is that I really like, um, when like the framing device is several steps deep, um, Cause in one of my humanities classes, actually they talked about, that was like a big theme that the guy had that he would always talk about that element of books. Um, I remember specifically Plato's symposium um, is told like through two travelers talking. One talks about a story that someone told him about Socrates, that Socrates told him about the party that Socrates was at, however long ago. Um, and just like, how that interacts with the information you're getting and how you have to like filter it through biases of whoever's telling the story. I think that's really interesting too, but then just added on top of it, like the way that there's more to the story than just the book, which I think is like a really cool thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, uh, that's really very exciting about this book. (laughs) It all just like kind of places places in with a lot of the stuff that I've been dealing with lately.
1: Yeah, it is so layered, and it really is kind of like this whole idea that the story is so much more than just itself. It's like someone <laughs> not really self-contained. Is really kind of the whole like theme that it wants you to get at the whole time because the book itself is a story that is like that. It's so much more than what's within this book, but so is the house that it's, that's at the center of all this. This house is so much more than the house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and this, the w- the structure of the story and like the writing style parallels that idea so much, but it really makes you feel very connected to the story. Um, and it was so good. I, it was just so good. It was so crazy to read. <laughs>
0: Awesome. That's exciting. I don't know. I don't really like reading horror books because they get into in my head, but I might have to check that out. Yeah.
1: You know, what was weird was I've heard people call this like the scariest book of all time. And that's why I, I wanted to read it in the first. <laughs> I like scary stuff. And while I was reading it, I was like, none of this is really that freaky. Like this is really just not getting to me that much. But then you, when you put it down, it's still just like, so like, prevalent in your mind like you just can't I, I don't know that's what was freaky to me was that I just like couldn't shake the feeling that I had like also been in this house and that uh, I don't know it just threw me off oh. it was-
0: wow very cool very cool
1: yeah very cool I really <laughs> <laughs> I just want to talk about it forever I want more people to read it so I can talk about it
0: gotcha yeah nice I might check it out at some point we'll see uh, that actually like leads in fairly well into my next book, We're just based on uh, how like big of a story and world it is. I guess um, I finally finished the Lord of the Rings, the third one, the King, oh, nice. um, and it's really cool because I'm actually like, even though I finished it a while ago, I've just been like pacing myself working through the appendix of it, which is like 150 pages <laughs> um, of just like history of the world, uh, and I think it's really cool just how this is just one story in like this bigger world that Tolkien made. And I just think that that's so cool. And I'm like exploring that now. Um, and I think, like I said, I saw the movies for the Lord of the Rings way before I had ever read it. Um, and this is, I guess it wouldn't be a reread at this point. Cause I read like the first two, but I never finished the third one when I tried to read this for the first time. Um, So it's kind of, it's very interesting just like, I guess the different ways it goes about it and like what the story focuses on. Um, Cause it feels more like the books feel more like a, like a history of like these things kind of less uh, like playing on your emotions, I guess. And kind of just like, this is what happened. And I think it's cool just cause I love history and I like reading books about the real world that are kind of like that. Um, So I just thought it was interesting to kind of like place myself in this kind of like world and like, this is how it's happening and kind of like piecing together how the events fit together. and like, who, um, and so I'm having a lot of fun doing that right now with like the, going through like all the stuff in the appendix about like histories of this world and kind of piecing it together with the stuff that I know from reading the books already. So I don't know, that's very cool, but I, I love it. Um, five out of five for me. Wow.
1: We both had a five out of five this month. Good for us.
0: That's yeah. awesome. I kind of figured this was going to be a five out of five just cause I, I don't know. Like it's kind of a reread, but right. uh, that's still okay. Very I got, neat. I got more out of it than I was expecting, which is always a good and cool feeling. <laughs> um, and then, okay. So this other book, I, uh, I'm halfway through the Sound and the Fury by William Faulkner. Um, this is another one for my class and I'm really having a hard time with it <laughs> no. and I don't know if I'm going to finish it or not. <laughs> I still haven't decided I might put it away for a bit and then like start it over at some point later because I didn't I wasn't able to read it in like the time frame. we read it in class and yeah. like I know what happens and I've like talked about some stuff for it. And now I'm just finding it really hard to just actually get through. So I think yeah. I'm going to put it away for now. I needed to talk about it so I could feel okay about that.
1: <laughs> I think that's totally fine. You're valid in that choice.
0: Awesome. Thank you for the support. <laughs> but yeah, no, just saying it out loud made me realize that, yeah, I'm going to put it away for now. And I'll probably, I'll put it at the end of the bookshelf and I'll probably try it again sometime. Yeah, it's very interesting, though, the, just the way that it's presented. Um, there's, like, four different sections, and three of them are, like, first-person subjective experiences of different characters um, and very different ways of presenting information and a bit hard to kind of get on the wave of what's going on, and I think that's why it's frustrating for me right now, but yeah, very interesting, and I will revisit it at some point. Yeah. I'll see Yeah. All right, cool. That's uh, all I got for books then.
1: Me too. Although I did want to tell you, I forgot to say this while I was talking about House of Leaves. It references so much like media, so many books and movies and stuff, which usually I don't like, but it did it in such a subtle way that I was cool (laughs) with it. But it references Mulholland Drive a couple of times. And I was like, I just think of you every time anything references Mulholland Drive, which is way more frequently than I ever knew before watching the movie. Lots of people reference that movie. I don't know. I was just glad to have seen it because of this pod, because it made the experience of reading this book better.
0: Gotcha. That's really weird to me, because um, it says that this book was released in 2000 Mm -hmm. on Goodreads, but Mulholland Drive came out in 2001?
1: Maybe Mulholland Drive references this book,
0: then.
1: Or maybe it's just a bizarre coincidence.
0: Yeah, I don't know. That's wild.
1: A lot of sense. (laughs) They just go, it's not like a huge reference. They just mm-hmm. kind of go down a street called Mulholland a couple of times. And I just didn't even think twice about it. I was just like, they must be referencing the movie oh. Mulholland Drive because they're so like eerily similar in these like scenes.
0: Yeah, um, I gotcha.
1: But that's so funny that it may not be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, because Mulholland Drive is like a real, like is a pretty prominent street in LA.
1: Oh, um, okay. I didn't know that. Well, never mind
0: then. <laughs> but I'm sure like it like it, it, lines up just because I feel like, you know, like this through line from Persona through Mulholland Drive onto wherever else, including under the Silver Lake, you know, it's like, I don't know. I just think it's cool. Like,
1: oh, cool. They're all attached. But that's so funny. That is probably not even a reference to that movie.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I'm glad that you think of me when you think of Mulholland Drive, because. <laughs> <though>, <laughs> I really like that movie.
1: <laughs> it's a good one. I think this book okay. too. I think you should give it a go.
0: Okay, maybe, maybe it maybe is so. Big, worth it. All right. Um, I didn't watch a whole lot of movies this month. I've been really busy, just like with work and school and stuff. But I, I mean, still got a few good ones in.
1: Nice. I watched such a random collection of movies this month. I only have four to talk about besides like all the Oscar ones that we watched. But okay, yeah. They're just all over the place.
0: Okay, for sure. I guess I can start out then. Right. Um, so actually, it was really cool. I only had three rewatches all month. Um, so you know see. what? I'll just talk about all three because the first two movies I watched this month were rewatches. And then the last one I watched was also a rewatch. So <laughs> everything in the middle, completely new, which is really cool. I'm glad that I saw a lot of new stuff this month. Um, That's awesome. Probably more new stuff than usual, just because I like rewatching things that I like. But yeah. <laughs> um, so I rewatched, so these are my rewatches. I rewatched The Corpse Bride, um, which I remember vaguely from my youth, but uh, is good to check out again. Um, and I liked it. I thought it was a little sparser than I remember. Like not a whole lot happens in it. Um, but all the stuff that does is really cool and really fun. And I like it a lot. Uh, 7 out of 10 for that one. That one was a rewatch, but like, um, like, I hadn't seen it since I was real little. So it was still kind of a fun new experience. Um, and then I rewatched Adaptation. This was in a class um, written by Charlie Kaufman, directed by Spike Jones. About, I think I talked about this because I watched it. The first time I watched it was also for a class, but over the summer. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel pretty much the same as I did then. It was very interesting, um, and really smart, just the little, um, uh, like, uh, mental gymnastics that you go through just with like what it's doing, um, because it's a story about writing this adaptation of this book and the Charlie Kaufman is a character in the movie. Um, so it does a lot of interesting stuff with like conventions and like things that you should do screenwriting and shouldn't do and like play funny games with like doing it and contradicting. I don't know. It's just very interesting. Um, but I kind of have a hard time like connecting with it, I guess, just cause it's so like, I don't know. Um, yeah. which is how I feel like with a lot of, the, a lot of Charlie Kaufman stuff. Gotcha. Um, I still give it eight out of 10 cause it was really good, but not necessarily my favorite but i would it'd be one that i want to show people because i think it's very interesting um and the ways it does things oh. and then for the same class just yesterday oh no not yesterday it's been like three days now but uh um is tropic thunder in 2008 directed by ben stiller um this is a fun one it's like a. I i honestly like Every time I watch it, I don't know exactly how I, how I feel about it just because it's so dumb and so smart at the same time. <laughs> um, and I just think it's like very cool how it does that. How it's like has like the dumbest jokes, but they're really doing super smart things with how they're like satirizing like mm-hmm. Hollywood of today, which I don't know. I think it was really cool. I was just, I'm forever between a seven and an eight on this, but I give it an eight because. It's genuinely like, does a lot of things that you go, ah, you got me. That's pretty funny. (laughs) Um, Even though you're rolling your eyes at like a lot of the other books too.
1: That is so similar to the first, how I feel about the first movie that I watched this month, which is Legally Blonde. (laughs) Also so dumb, but so smart at the same time. I'd never seen this movie before which is kind of crazy. And I just like saw that it got added to Netflix. So I was like, oh, I should just watch this. And I expected to find it funny and that would be really it. And I also honestly expected to find it maybe even like problematic because it came out a long time ago. And mm-hmm. I like, and I know that it's like kind of feminist, but that like, I like to believe that feminism has, like, advanced past legally (laughs) plot, I guess, is, like, the mindset that I went into this with. But I was so incorrect. It genuinely is, it's just such good feminism. So much of, like, modern media representation feminism in the last couple of years has been, like, girl boss type of stuff. And Mm -hmm. that, like, idea that, like, if you want to be a woman who's successful, you have to become masculine and you have to kind of like abandon your femininity you have to become like ruthless cutthroat tough step on whoever to get what you want and ultimately become like a capitalist prop (laughs) and make money which is the liberation that all women want apparently but this movie it was just exactly the opposite of that it was just like you can be wildly successful and smart while also being extremely like unbelievably feminine and that is just it was just so great it was such a good feminist message i was so impressed by the end of the movie with how it did that but it was also just very goofy um and so funny and fun and i loved it i'd probably give it like an eight out of ten it was really good and i wish i had seen it when i was a kid
0: awesome yeah that's a good one that i haven't seen in a while i might rewatch it sometime soon
1: because
0: so fun and so (laughs) smart I will say, though, um, uh, what's it called? Tropic Thunder is a bit problematic in some of the stuff that they do. There's like a big controversy about black. You've seen it, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. The big controversy about like the blackface that Robert Downey Jr. does. But like if you actually watch the movie, that's like that exactly what they're making fun of. Um, But the more kind of problematic stuff that I would say is like some of the disability type stuff um but then again that did come out like 13 years ago and i don't think it's like i think that it's just it's one that you should just add like a little footnote to and so but yeah i think i think a lot of it is like tiptoeing around it because they're satire satirizing it um but some of the disability stuff falls a little into the the other side i just wanted to point that out um the next one i watched is the devil is a woman, which is a Sternberg, Marlene Dietrich movie from the thirties. Um, this is was fun. It was, it's another one. That's like, uh, it's, um, we, we kind of talked about it in relation to, this is for a class as well. Um, in relation to like, we read an article about the role of like what women on the screen have done throughout um, like the classical Hollywood period. Um, and this is a very interesting one to look at in regards to that, I think um, is about the Marlene Dietrich character. And I've only seen this one and one other of that kind of like period of stuff, but she kind of just is like this, um, where she kind of just like plays guys because she's so pretty and everyone falls for her. Um and it's interestingly done here because it's kind of ridiculous in this one, more so in some of the others. So it's like okay to like it. It's I was finding myself having lots of fun with it, and just how like stupid some of the situations were, um, and like you know, kind of seeing at the same time like this was like common practice, I guess. Um, so that was cool. I give it seven out of ten. It was quite a fun watch. Yes. Um, and then I watched the next one I saw was Suspiria, uh, directed by Dario Argento. This is, uh, I think, a pretty famous, um, pretty popular horror movie from the seventies. I thought it was very pretty and very interesting, but a little uh, cheesy too. But that's okay. I just, I don't know. I don't watch enough horror movies to kind of know what falls on the side of like good cheesy and bad cheesy, I guess. Um, but this one is very fun. I had lots of fun with it. And it was so pretty, so well shot. Um, cool. the, the way that they used color was like really crazy. Um, and that's why I think that's kind of like the best part of that one. Yeah. Okay. Um, as a use of color. But I really liked it and I thought it was fun. I give it a 7 out of 10 as well.
1: Very nice. I'm intrigued by that.
0: Yeah, I w- I think you would like it a lot. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, they made a remake recently. Um, the guy who did Call Me By Your Name directed it. But I haven't seen that and I probably won't because <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm against remakes. But
1: <laughs> Okay, good to know.
0: Yeah, I think you should check out the original.
1: Okay, the second movie I watched this month was Hillbilly Elegy, which I chose because it's on the Netflix originals Oscar Nom list, which I'm Mm -hmm. still working through. It was one of the last ones. And honestly, I really expected to like it because I like like (laughs) a gritty, like backcountry American story. But this was not good. (laughs) I honestly cannot even believe how bad it was. Just like as a movie, but also as a story. Like right away, the movie is so corny. There's like a dude doing like a very southern accent narration, but just like so cliched and cheesy. It it was just like immediately I was like, oh my God, this is going to be like the goofiest, heartfelt (laughs) movie ever and I don't want to watch the whole thing but I was really hoping that Amy Adams would save it but she did not she really did not do that well anyways this movie is about like poverty and drug addiction in the south kind of and then and it's a true story about this guy whose family was wrapped up in things like that and then he was very smart did really well in school pulled himself up by the bootstraps or whatever and got out of the south and got to go to Yale and it's just a story of like That (laughs) It was just so horrible I can't even believe this movie Was made in 2020 Like I cannot believe we haven't moved past (laughs) Narratives like this It was just so like Deeply insensitive Which is It's hard to say because it was this dude's story Like he just told it how he knew it Which is like I don't know like I guess that there's like Merit in in that But in this movie there's just like no nuance there's no like conversation about like systemic issues that have to do with poverty and drug addiction like it just it just talks about this stuff as if it's these people's fault and like anybody could it could theoretically escape it if you were just like smart enough and tough enough (laughs) no conversation about like the bigger picture at all and it was just unbearable to watch also there's many racist comments that are just thrown in by these like family members in the South just to kind of be like, ha ha, that's just the culture down South. That's just Mm -hmm. what they're like. And then it just goes completely unchecked. And it was like, what? Like, no, we're not excusing this type of stuff anymore. This is not how we talk about these things anymore. It was just weird. It just felt so like, Oh, like, I was just like, how do you guys not know better right now in 2020? Hmm. So bad content. Also just bad movie. Like so corny, unbelievably corny. Um, the dialogue was just so cringe to listen to. Um, I hated it. Two, uh, two stars out of 10. I hated it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember like before that came out, everyone thought it was going to be like an Oscar-y type thing. And then everyone came out and hated it. I didn't even, like, I wasn't planning on ever watching it. I probably still won't. But, like, I just remember, like, how much, like, that was, like, completely consensus. Everyone hated it. I it was like, uh,
1: unbelievably awful. I did not know that before watching it. The picture on Netflix is just this, like, sad side shot of Amy Adams. And it's, like, <laughs> and I was, like, I think I'm going to love this. <laughs> I love Amy Adams. I love gritty, grittiness. And, um. I was like, whoa, (laughs) this went in a completely unexpected direction for me. And then, yeah, I looked at some Letterbox reviews and everybody was like, why was this made? (laughs) It was insanely bad. And it really was.
0: Gotcha. All right. So this next one is my second 10 out of 10 first watch of this year. Um, And even better beyond that, at least for me, it's um, one. That genuinely blew me away when I watched it, um, which I've kind of been thinking of, like how when I felt similarly um, to that when I like came out of a movie, and as I think it's only the fourth time that's happened, and like the last, I guess since I started getting into movies, that something's like really just blown me away on the first watch. Um, so I guess let me uh, just the other three were um, Parasite was crazy. Um, and then when I saw Nashville in one of my classes and also a brighter summer's day, which we booked last year. Um, but this one is apocalypse now. Uh, have you ever seen? I haven't. Okay. It's, uh, I knew it was going to be crazy, big deal. Um, and it just completely blew me away even beyond that. Cause I kind of like had an expectation of like everyone loves this movie. Um, gonna be really good and then i was just completely blown away when i watched it and i think a big part of that was it was in a big screening room biggest screen in boulder apparently um which i believe when it comes at least like widescreen stuff because it's very long so it's not like letterboxed when it gets widescreen um and this is in widescreen so it works out and also like with a big nice sound system um it was insane i don't know I was just completely blown away on watching this. Um, yeah, that's, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's kind of um, like just the spectacle about it. It probably is like the movie with the biggest spectacle maybe ever just because, yeah. you know, they just went to uh, the Philippines and went crazy <laughs> with, um, I guess, like, okay, so I guess I, this will lead into because I watched this in a class and the next week we watched Hearts of Darkness a Filmmaker's Apocalypse, which was the making of documentary of this movie, which I think adds to like the craziness of what they were trying to do and what they accomplished genuinely. Um, but yeah, this is our, this is jumping up quickly into my all time favorites. And um, I think in the future, if I ever have the opportunity to see it, like in a the theater, um, I will do it no matter the cost. It was that... Powerful to me. Wow,
1: that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Can't recommend it enough. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, no. watch it.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's one that like you kind of, I don't know, it, it's like one that deserves that like, you kind of owe it to yourself to watch it on the big screen, um, at least for the first time you see it to kind of like be, I don't know, just like wrapped up in it. It's definitely one of those that's like needs to be seen in the theaters. I don't know, thanks. Um, But I'm starting to go back to the theaters now, which I'll talk about a little later. Which is really exciting. Um, Okay, so the next one I saw was called Rio Bravo. It's a western, um, a very interesting western because it's like very character driven. It's not about like um, like there is a story that frame that like is the framework for like the situation, Um, but the focus is really on like the characters and like their specific problems um, and how they interact, which is like really interesting to see because usually Westerns are more about like, the big set pieces and showdowns and <laughs> whatever. But uh, this one was very fun. I had a good time, and everyone does good in it. I give it 9 out of 10. Nice. Cool. Uh, I guess I could say do one more. Um, I watched Blood and Sand, which is a silent movie from the twenties, uh, 1922, uh, starring Rudolph Valentino. I had never seen one of his movies. Um, this was also in the same class that we watched the uh, Marlene Dietrich one, uh, The Devil Is a Woman, and this then came up kind of to the perspective of like, well, the essay that we looked at, that we looked at was um, talking about like the male gaze and how females on screen. Um, and someone wrote an essay in response, or I guess maybe not. I think actually, I think it wasn't like a specific essay, but kind of just like the rhetoric is like, well, what about the female viewers? And um, Rudolph Valentino was very uh, eye candy for, uh, he's kind of like the big, like, uh, kind of the first like true star, like male sex symbol, I guess. Um, so that was cool to see. This was, silent movie is he's a matador a bullfighter in Spain Um, it was kind of goofy but I had a fun time with it Um, I give it six out of ten nice yeah that's one I think like any silent movie I've seen the ones that like get kind of saved and are still able to be like widely accessible are like pretty much usually either like landmark monolithic kind of like, this is the most important movies or else they're kind of like part of, uh, like a wider like, collection of things, I guess. Um, a lot of the ones that are kind of just like whatever type movies don't really survive, I guess. So um, it was cool to see this. Cause it wasn't like one of those that is like, this is a masterpiece in like one you have to watch, it's kind of cool to see just like a regular old silent picture. <laughs> I don't know. Very cool. That might be a little reductive to say, but that's okay. <laughs> All right, your turn.
1: Okay. Um, I finally watched *Oak Jaw* this month. Okay. See, since I saw *Parasite*. Um, it was pretty good. It was weirder than I expected it to be. I definitely thought that it was like a kids' movie just because of this like mythical cute animal, but I wouldn't really say that it is. <laughs> <It's> pretty dark. <laughs> um, I, I, honestly, kind of similar vibes to um, Pan's Labyrinth. Like it's okay. almost. Like I I went into it being like surface level. What I know about this seems like a kids' movie, and then you just are sort of like. <laughs> No, it isn't. It just kind of shocks you with like how dark it goes. I guess okay. um, it was really good. It was very adventurous, pretty heartwarming by the end, um, and it takes like a pretty strong stance on animal rights. I have you seen it?
0: I haven't seen it, but I've seen like essays about it, like or like video yeah. essays talking about it.
1: By the end, I felt like a little bit weird about it because. I think it's supposed to, it's trying to convince you to care about animal rights, um, which is a cool, like fine message, but it was strange to me then that it like did that by using this mythical creature because mm-hmm. by the end of it, you're, you just you just not really like you feel attached to it. Like it doesn't feel like the real world because <laughs> this is a giant fake pig. <laughs> Um, it doesn't. I don't know. It didn't make me be like I care more about real animals now. I was just kind of like I guess I care about like oakja, and that's kind of it. So I don't know. Like the the moral of it, I don't think came across as strongly as maybe it was supposed to. But it was a very fun story and a really good movie. Um, super wacky characters too, which was really fun. Also, Jake Gyllenhaal is in it, and I literally did not know that. Oh, he was gotcha. Weird. Um, I probably give it like an eight out of ten. It was really good. Str-
0: just stranger than I expected it to. Gotcha. Yeah. I uh. I don't know. So I've seen, I guess I've only seen two others um, of Bong Jun hos stuff besides Parasite. And it seems like he's always tries to do more than he can kind of like <laughs> wrapped his, his movies around up until Parasite. Uh-huh. Um, but I haven't seen Memories of Murder, which is like like regarded as his other masterpiece. So I need to check that out. But I just think it's interesting that like, I don't know, Good. Your your thoughts about that movie kind of line up with this narrative I have in my head. So I just think that's cool. Gotcha.
1: Good to know. This is the only other Bong Junho I've seen so far. So
0: Okay, gotcha. Snowpiercer. I have really Yeah, I saw that one and I thought it was really good, but uh kind of like lost itself along the way. Okay. Over the course of the movie, but I still liked it. Um Yeah, I just think, I'm just very glad that we have Parasite because he find like, he got it all right. It all lined up.
1: Oh, my God. It's crazy how good Parasite is. Yeah, I think that (laughs) if you, like, watched Oakjaw first, I think you would be, like, shocked by Parasite. Like, he, it's kind of, like, exceptional how much he grew between this movie and that movie. Oh,
0: gotcha. Cool. Um, Okay, so the next one I watched was called Detour. This is uh, part of, I don't know if I talked about that. I'm going through, like, this... Uh, film noir watch list like classic noir watch list um but i am and this is on there and this one is really interesting just because it was like apparently made on like hardly any budget at all very low budget and it kind of shows through but i thought it was really cool at the way it handled what it had to do It's like only like 70 minutes long um but it feels like it's a complete story and it kind of just goes to i guess while not like super interesting like I've never seen this before. It was very like well-made. Um, and I think I would put it on like a list of like low budget, like how to do low budget stuff. Right. Um, and I thought it was really cool. Uh, I give that one a seven out of 10. Nice. Um, and I saw scream finally um, from 1996 directed by Wes Craven. Uh I thought it was cool about how like it, it's like okay, so you know all these slasher tropes, and let's talk about them in the context of a slasher movie. I just thought right. that was a really cool concept, and I guess like that's the appeal of it. Um, but I think it was pulled off very well. It was a very fun watch, um, even though like it was kind of obvious like who who the killers were. I guess it was <laughs> it wasn't like ever not fun as a result, which was cool. Um, I give it an eight out of ten. It was a blast
1: very nice it is a blast
0: um okay so you have just one more Yep. okay i think it's your turn then
1: okay the very last movie i watched this month i just watched earlier today and it was bonnie and clyde um from the 60s and i don't really know i just kind of saw it on netflix and i was like i'll give it a go (laughs) Um, and it was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. It is a great movie. I just it I it did everything right for like what it is. Like it just has everything you could possibly want in a story about two bandits in love. And it was like the funnest time ever. It's got high speed car chases with old timey banjo music in the background. And that was (laughs) I Everything that I wanted from it, it was just it was very fun and like the the characters, the couple of Bonnie and Clyde, so interesting. Like I don't know, it's just such a good story. Um, so I really enjoyed that movie. It's I I would recommend that like pretty universally. You should watch Bonnie and Clyde. It was really good.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, and I don't know if it's like apparent at this point, but like it's that movie is very historic. Just because it was like the ending thing, shootout was I guess can you even call it a shootout but uh it was just very it was like kind of the, one of the first times that they were able like a mainstream movie was able to be that violent um, oh
1: cool
0: I know that was like how it, how it all went down at the end um and that kind of like opened the door for more violence in movies following it um, so it's like it's kind of seen as like a landmark movie but that's cool that it's on netflix i might check it out again sometime. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was great. I wish that I had seen it earlier in life. It definitely feels like it'll become one that I watch frequently.
0: Nice. Awesome. It was fun. Uh, what, did you rate that one?
1: I'd give it a nine, I think.
0: Okay, awesome. Yeah, me too, actually. Nice. Um, okay, so I finally went back to the movie theaters. I saw the Demon Slayer movie, which I think I've talked about on here before. Yeah. Um, and it completely lived up to the hype. It was so awesome being able to see it in a the theater. Um, I guess, okay. So the big difference between like the actual movie theater, um, and like just screening things in class, which has been awesome, um, is that they turn the volume up so loud in the actual cinema. It's kind of insane. <laughs> um, and it was really funny cause they have all the doors open, like as a COVID thing. So like, you're just walking down the halls and you can hear like all the sounds from the different theaters, um, yeah. which is like funny. But uh, everything was so loud, but it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I like sometimes I wish that they'd turn the volume up just a little bit, like when we're doing screenings in class. Um, especially because like Apocalypse Now has like the best sound design. It's like arguably, I think a lot of people vouch for it as like the best sound design movie ever. Um, Apocalypse Now. So I was like, maybe you can just turn it up a little bit and immerse myself a little more, but that's all right. Next time. Um, but yeah, no, I saw the Demon Slayer movie and it definitely lived up to the hype. It was just so, so cool and so fun to see on the big screen. Because this is, this is the first like anime movie I think I've seen in the theaters. Um, I'm trying to think if I've seen any like Miyazaki stuff, but I don't think so. Not in, not in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was interesting and cool. Um, and the animation is so cool. Like this is the, the company that does it, even in like the, just the show, um, is like very highly regarded and like high quality, just like they put a lot of focus on making the animations look cool. Um, yeah. And it just, it was awesome to see so cool. So good. Um, and I think I talked about like why it's specifically interesting, um, before on here, but like that aspect of it like fits in really well with how it turned out. And I don't know. It was awesome. I give it a nine out of 10, just cause Good. it was just such a cool way that it like it's, it's place um, in like, I don't know the history is like too broad. Like, I don't mean like this is like the first thing ever, but like, it's very interesting. Like the way it like rolled out and how it fits in with like this existing IP. Um, And I think it really did that as well as it could have with what they were going for, which I think was awesome. So that's why I give it a nine out of 10.
1: Love it. I'm so happy that it was a fun return to the theater.
0: Yeah. I'm excited. I'm going to try to go a lot this summer as well. Um, I'm going to try to make it like on down 36 closer to Denver to see some of like the artsy ones that do screenings like older stuff. Cause I love seeing, anything I can that I know that I already like um, on the big screen. I know they're showing the Holland drive at the Alamo draft house in Denver um, yeah. a little bit ago. It didn't work out, but I said, if, it, if that like screening came around to a time that I was free, I would totally go to that. Yeah.
1: That sounds
0: awesome. Um, okay. So I kind of talked about the trial of the Chicago seven last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think I need to touch on that. I just really don't feel that strongly about it, one way or the other. So I really don't have anything to say about it. Um, and then the last movie I watched was Ex Machina, um, about the robot. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen that one? Mm-hmm. Okay. I watched. This is I watched it for a class as well, but uh, like a humanities class. I watched it on my own at home, um, and it was good. It was interesting. I think. I think the kind of stuff it plays around with um, that makes you think about is more interesting than it is as a movie um, but there are some interesting sequences at the same time too that I said hey this is really cool um, the way it does this but it's kind of like one that like puts you in a mood when you're watching it and you kind of just like settle into like the frequency that the movie has going for you um, so like it's a it's a it's a cool watch and that's what I'd have to say about it I give it seven out of ten.
1: Nice. Good to
0: know. And that's what I watched this month. The ones we're talking about anyways. So, next week, do you want to watch a movie? Yeah. Let's do
1: it.
0: Do you want to pick out a movie to watch? Or would you like me to? <laughs> Probably you. I don't
1: have any in mind. Do you? Okay.
0: I'm trying to think. Just because, like, this month, just between, like, watching stuff for class and like not having as much time. I feel like I haven't gone through my like little watch list that I have um, in a while. And okay, so let's see. I wonder, okay, so this Fellini movie, you like Fellini, right? I love Fellini. Um, Have you ever seen Juliet of the Spirits? No. Okay, so I've seen it, but I'm gonna rewatch it for my watch through. um and it looks like it's available on the criterion channel and hbo max um i think that that would be one that i'd be interested to hear your thoughts on
1: okay
0: um it's his first color movie
1: um
0: yeah i think we should watch that one
1: okay let's do
0: it you're down
1: i am so down it's been a while since i saw a Fellini movie
0: there you go all right how exciting yeah. Cause this is the first month that I haven't had any, I didn't watch any of that box set for my wrap. up, So I need to <laughs> pick up the pace and watch a few more. Um,
1: nice.
0: I think I'll actually have time to now, which is cool.
1: Yeah. That is super nice.
0: All right. It is,
1: it is over. How exciting.
0: Yeah. I can see. I can, I can, I'm okay with school or work. But not both. It's hard to watch as much movies and you have school and work at the same time. <laughs> That's what I found out over the past month or so.
1: It's definitely challenging to do both. Cool. I'm excited.
0: All right. So that means all we have left to do right now is uh, talk about some albums. You have an album recommendation for this week? I'm
1: going to recommend a B52's album. I love the B-52s, awesome. unapologetically. And I'm going to recommend their self-titled album, which some people I've heard call the Yellow Album. I don't know if that's like a universal thing, though, but it's just called the B-52s, okay. B-52s and it is yellow on the album cover. And it has my favorite B-52 song ever on it, which is Planet Claire. And I just really love the B-52s, especially for the summertime. It's good, like, weird, quirky surf rock.
0: Type yes. Of there you go. Big fan. Big fan. Big fan. <laughs> um okay, so let's see. My album is by an artist called Cherry Glazer and it's called Apocalypse. Um this is probably my favorite Cherry Glazer album. It's just very fun. I don't know. She uh it's like I don't know how to describe it really, but it's, it's danceable, a beat, but she's really cool. And all the music is very good, but I think this is probably my favorite album.
1: Awesome. Um, Check it out. Yeah.
0: Check Check it out.
1: This week to get your groove on.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's all we have for this week. Um, We'll be back with, after the Oscars month that we kind of did, we'll be back with more regular regularly scheduled programming Mm -hmm. Um, this month. I'm thinking next week, movie book week after figure out something and we roll on. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. So we'll check out uh, of the spirits uh, next week. Awesome! Yeah, I think. <laughs> be sure to uh, check out our Instagram account for this play of uh, this uh, podcast. I'm going to try to be better about posting on it <laughs> and yeah. uh, give us good ratings on iTunes or just any ratings on iTunes. I think that helps out a lot. But uh, thanks for listening to anyone listening.
1: And, Thank you all.
0: Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye now.